when we talk about responsibility and ethics and AI, we're talking about business bottom line <laughs> as well. Because if you sacrifice trust in your brand, you are sacrificing your brand. IBM technologist and research psychologist Dr. Christine D discusses AI ethics and responsible use. Hello, everybody. My name is Rob O'Sell, filling in for Tracy Lee for another episode in our series about engineering leadership. Today, I'm here with Dr. Christine D, technologist and research psychologist for IBM. Christine, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. The sun is out in Seattle, and so um, I'm quite bright and cheery as a result. <laughs> That's good. Over uh, on the uh, East Coast, it is uh, cannot decide what it wants to be, whether it's a, a terrible monsoon, extremely cold, or extremely warm. So I don't know what to expect here. We are recording this before Christmas. I have absolutely no idea what to expect. <laughs> Um, well, best but, of luck. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Um, by way of introduction, you know, on this, we like to let people sort of introduce people to who they are. And I think especially because our topic is going to be um, generally around AI and AI ethics, I think it would be fascinating to hear a little bit about how you come to be addressing this situation with IBM, kind of what is your story and your angle on how you kind of get to this topic and uh, working for IBM. Well, thank you. So for about the last 11 years, I've worked with IBM. Um, my, my focus in the global markets uh, organization has been on the telecommunications industry, all of the data and AI use cases that have to do with digital engagement, network modernization, and of course, bringing to life some of those uh, promising use cases with 5G um, industry 4.0 and, and uh, all of all of that type of thing. And so um, with that, have had a lot of work to do with the, the data and the AI um, implementations and deployments and, and thought leadership, um, specifically, you know, uh, with industry implications. You know, what's interesting about sort of AI and, and, and you kind of having a role with IBM is that IBM's been here for a while. <laughs> this yes. is not a, a, a new ecosystem for IBM to be playing. So as, as somebody that's working for a company that has a lot of experience using some of these tools, what has been your perception as sort of a lot of the world and a lot of other industries are suddenly being thrust into these conversations and these considerations um, since you know, generative AI and ChatGPT has suddenly come out? Bewilderment. <laughs> so one of the things, so I've been working on AI specifically for, you know, 10 years um, with Watson, which was launched in, 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 or, you know, had its Jeopardy preview or debut in 2011. Uh, we then launched it as an industry solution in, in 2015. And my role with IBM at the time was to launch Watson solutions for the telecommunications industry worldwide. And so I've been, you know, very closely working with, with AI all this time with some of my colleagues and I'm in Seattle. So my colleagues are, you know, with the big tech <laughs> industries, some of my, my colleagues and, and close friends are, are saying things like, Oh, I've got to, I've got to learn AI, or I'm just starting to work with AI. And I'll say something like, oh, I've been working with AI for, you know, this many years. And they're like, how? You know, like, it's like, it's like, it's brand new, you know, or, or people will initiate conversations. I was on a, a round table or a panel a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they're like, let's talk about AI uh, uh, without first defining at all, 
what they meant, what stage of AI they had in mind. There, there's just so much focus on on open AI as the AI um, that it's it's been, you know, um, perplexing um, and intriguing, you know, as, as people get excited about it and begin to form opinions and want to want to share and, and dive into the topic. So, uh, yeah. And it is interesting, right, that like a lot of companies, uh, bigger companies especially, have been playing with big data, with machine learning and with some rudimentary AI technologies or predictive AI technologies as well um, in a lot of different contexts. But it, you're right, it hadn't been widespread. Like, do you have a sense from your perspective why suddenly so many companies are being forced to this conversation? Like, why has this become a wave, whereas all the other AI advancements at this point have, have been extremely large in their impacts for the people that have used them, but have not necessarily propagated the sort of the general consciousness, the zeitgeist nearly as, as generative AI. Has. Yes. Zeitgeist was exactly the word I was uh, about to lead with. That's, that's perfect. So yeah, it's this, you know, this consumer experience. Once we've had this consumer experience, now business leaders who have in their homes experienced, you know, something with chat GPT where they've asked for a recipe or they've asked for, you know, a, a best man speech or, you know, something like they want to then go into the office and say, well, why aren't we doing this in customer care? Why aren't we using this to do, you know, uh, tier one trouble tickets? Why aren't we? And, and we should just be, you know, or uh, secretly, you know, in some cases, secretly going and using chat gpt from your you know desk and exposing proprietary data to you know, public cloud as a result because there is you know that load lightning of of uh, the 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 capabilities of chat gpt but it's also you know an opportunity now to imagine what it can mean to to have a, a tool like that and to have it at scale how should a company or a team have these conversations? Because I've been in conversations with uh, leaders that have said something to the effect of, you know what, I don't really get a choice in this matter. Whether I think right. our company should use it or won't, my people will use it. So, you know, a lot of people are being dragged to these conversations. I'm not going to say unwillingly, but they certainly don't have a choice that that conversation is happening now. So how should companies be having this kind of conversation as to, like you said, you know, what is safe to use? What is right to use? Um, how is the right way to use it? To what extent? You know, have you guided people on kind of how they should approach these kind of conversations? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go back to that that panel from a couple of weeks ago as, as a as kind of an example. So it was a, a variety of different tech companies it was located here in Seattle at a, at a tech company. It was not IBM. And so it was, a, it was a representative group. It was not for attribution. So I'm not going to say who was there, who said what, uh, because that, you know, that, that, those were the rules of the discussion. But, you know, um, it's what informs my idea that, you know, people are wanting to talk about AI and they're wanting to talk about trust, ethics and responsibility in AI, but they don't know how to create a framework for the conversation. They don't know how to organize their, their thinking. Um, and so we kind of we, we went off in one direction, thinking maybe about one type of AI and then thinking about another type of AI and then, you know, some of these dilemmas and some business dilemmas and consumer dilemmas. And, um, and there was one guy who chimed in and was like, nobody cares about ethics and AI, actually. Like, this isn't really a topic. 
nobody, you know, it's not going to stop anybody from doing things. And so it was just kind of all over the place. Um, and so for, for me, uh, and because I'm informed by my work with IBM, um, I adhere to one, you know, getting specific about the technology. So, you know, what, what mode of AI or, or even use case are we talking about? Um, but also just understanding it in terms of um, the various frameworks for which to understand the conversation. So at IBM, we would say that it is a socio-technologic conversation to have. So we need to talk about people, processes, and platforms. Um, the technology side, we're talking about various layers of technology. So we're talking about the data, we're talking about the models, and then we're talking about the, the adaptations or the, or the use cases, so the way that the, the, those are deployed. The safeguards that we put in place for each of those has to do with governance, but also security and some of the uh, unique risks that happen with generative AI as opposed to traditional AI. So being able to understand the technology is one thing. Um, but then also it really comes down to um, more uh, reflective types of topics. What are our principles? What and what are the, the pillars of um, activity that support those principles? And I'll, I'll give again at, at IBM an example is, um, you know, we have three pillars. One is that AI is meant to augment human knowledge and activity. It's not meant to replace it, it's meant to augment it. The second is that data in, insights belong to the creator. And the third is um, about transparency. And so being able to imbue trust and transparency in everything that we do. Um, and so when you have an understanding of what it is you stand for and then the, the, how you mechanize that, um, then you can begin to, to structure um, more, I don't know, um, helpful conversations, more useful conversations. You know, one of the things I've seen getting to play with these tools more and more is that there really are sides to this that you don't think of. Like you said, you first, you just are using it as a tool. And then suddenly you have this realization about, wait, what about data security? What should I responsibly type into this um, and get back out? Like maybe the obvious things, like don't put identifiable information in there, maybe come to you right away. But then there are maybe more nuanced things uh, that, that come up that, that you're not certain about. So there's some people that have not been in this AI space or use these tools extensively, or they may even not be technologists at heart. They may be CEOs or other leaders who are not necessarily as ingrained with technological advancements. So how do you lead a conversation like this when you're still trying to figure out what even the things that you're being forced to reckon with are capable of? I can see this being a bit uh, scary, exciting, I guess, on one level, but also a bit scary to be leading these conversations when you don't fully even understand the edges of it. So how should that's true? You, like, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm thinking about the the various conversations that I've had about it. Some are uh, begin with the use case 
and, and work back to, you know, how do we do it? Cause somebody, you know, oftentimes um, our clients will come to us and they've got an idea for, for what can be done based on something they've, they've seen. Other times, and, and this maybe is at the more senior level, they're like, what is happening and how do I put my arms around it? You know? Um, and then, you know, in the, in the middle, you have more of the, you know, technologist um, conversation where they've got a little bit of, of knowledge and they want to start working with it, but um, there's some technology training as well as some design thinking, um, some, you know, well, grappling with, um, with some of those questions that come to mind. Yeah. All right. I'm not sure I answered the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is just, it's just challenging, I think, as what I was, uh, you know, getting at for, for leaders who don't even know how to start a conversation, right? It's one thing to realize you have to have a conversation around trust, around principles. Some of the principles you laid out were very good. I think some people might say, I'd like yeah. to take those principles at least as a starting base, um, but they may not have arrived at those pillars because they just didn't know that, say, transparency or um, the, the ownership of, of creation or augmentation versus replacement were even things that needed to be part of the conversation or part of the capability package or the implications of AI. And I can see some leaders being a little intimidated about having to right. make strong decisions when they just don't, they don't fully understand all of the details. Right. Okay. So one of the things that we do to kind of help people with that is we do have, um, we have a half a day design thinking workshop that's just about ethics and AI. It's just about responsibility um, and, and trust and making sure that what we design together um, is a helpful contributor and not a, not a harmful um, thing to do. So what we do is, is um, and I'll, I'll describe the workshop as a way of kind of talking about those, those principles and pillars and action. So the principles are about um, transparency and about you know the the content creator and the data and the insights belong to the creator and and that um, AI is meant to augment human intelligence, but the the pillars by which we activate those are are somewhat different. So we lead with uh, five pillars. We've got explainability is very important. Uh, so source attribution is is the new explainability we, we like to say. Fairness. So making sure that we're not um, especially harming underrepresented groups or, you know, doing things to um, continue the, the um, oppression of, of certain groups, because um, that certainly does show up in the data and then can, can spiral out of control. Robustness, so that has to do with some of the security, um, being careful about um, bad data, you know, or, or prompt injections or, or the various types of things that can happen there. Transparency, so the types of models that are being used, and of course, lastly, privacy. Um, the way that we we work with that is we, we start the workshop, we talk about the difference between traditional AI, generative AI, kind of the history, how it is that we happen to be here in this moment, working with AI in a different way. Um, and then we start, you know, talking about use cases. Um, we might uh, zero in on a particular domain. And then with that, the first thing we do is we, call, we do what's called a layers of effect exercise. And this is where the post-its come out, right? So the first layer is like, okay, this is what we intend to do with this tool. 
what are some of the unintended things that could also happen along with that? And then the third thing with that, what are some of the things that could happen that are just beyond imagination? And this is where, um, by the way, it's very important to have diversity in the room because a certain group of people may only grasp that there are these dangers when in fact there are you know many many different types of effects both both harmful and uh helpful that that could be so we have to be able to consider all of those effects so that's the the layers of effect exercise and then the next exercise might happen after lunch uh, is uh, called a, a dichotomy mapping so we take those effects all of those post-its that we just put up in our layers and we say okay which ones are helpful which ones are harmful which ones have a degree of, of both? We're not quite sure, right? And so, and then in the design thinking, we begin, first of all, with what are our principles? So we might use IBM's principles. We might use the client's principles. But first you begin with what do you stand for? What are you about? The second is what are the user's rights? So if I'm inviting you to use this tool and contribute to this tool and, and interact with this tool, what are your rights? And, and that's beyond the content creator piece, but your rights. And then with that, the third thing is, okay, so given this harmful attribute that I've identified over here, how am I going to design to adhere to those principles, protect those rights, and then also avoid this harm? And so that is, that is the uh, systematic approach that we take to making sure that um, what we're doing in the world is, is um, you know, adhering to the, the, the principles and pillars of our clients in addition to the ones that we stand for as well. I like that. And I do love that idea of starting from values uh, with everything because, you know, we we don't know until we're tested what our true values are. And that is not in the midst of being tested is not where you want to be having those conversations. It's better than never, but to, to suddenly have your people and your staff asking, what do we stand for? Is this the right way to use something? Uh, you want to be reinforcing those values certainly ahead of time so that people are having those conversations with themselves in advance of, you know, having concrete textual rules on what they should and shouldn't be doing. Yes. Uh, wonderful. So one of the things that I think is interesting too, we've talked about the ethics a bit of, of AI and its effects and some of the ways that it can be used, but I've had interesting conversations with people on sort of this meta ethics or, or the perception of AI usage, which I thought was interesting to get your feedback on. Some places have been very excited to use AI, but yet extremely Tent, you know, sort of uh, nervous about being perceived as using AI, that there's sort of this stigma as being known as the kind of company that would cut corners by using AI, but yet internally they're very excited about it. And this sort of dissonance between the inward excitement and sort of the outward timidity was sort of something that was fascinating for me. So I'm kind of curious your, your perceptions and, and what you've seen as far as these different modes of, of AI usage and how people maybe aren't fully ready to be outward as being AI powered, as they may be excited internally about using these tools. Well, and that, okay, so and that's why this conversation is so important, <laughs> right? It's not just, um, 
you know, a do good or feel good conversation to be having. When we talk about responsibility and ethics and AI, we're talking about business bottom line <laughs> as well. Because if you sacrifice trust in your brand, you are sacrificing your brand. And um, the, the trust factor has been one that um, is, of course, here in this age of generative AI, when we're talking about, you know, enabling chatbots that are going to be much more conversational and customer care, for example, um, uh, as it was, you know, back in the day. So I, you know, my 30 years almost in the telecommunications industry, I've seen a lot of the different things that happen with the data and the different ways in which popular opinion have responded to the idea that telecommunications providers have so much intimate data <laughs> about us as uh, consumers and as users and, and how is that used. And um, there was a whole huge debacle um, with, a com with what was then Sprint um, and a company called Carrier IQ. And, and Carrier IQ had this great detail about your, your phone usage and, you know, when your battery was spun down and, you know, did you, were you, you know, spending battery on, on Bluetooth when you weren't using any Bluetooth devices and, you know, um, the, the type of connectivity that you had. It was really good for diagnosing problems. But when popular opinion grabbed a hold of the fact of this, data. <laughs> they were furious. Um, and in part because even, uh, even if it was anonymized and chunked out to be sold, it was sold to advertisers and for marketing and evaluated for many purposes. And so when you, when you have responsibility for that type of truly intimate data, um, then there, there is, uh, also with it a high risk of um, being, you know, sacrificed to public opinion for, for your decisions around how it's used. So it's a, it's a tricky tight wire in, in many ways. Getting pretty close to the end of our time here, but one of the things that I think people have heard from us a lot in this conversation is this word of trust. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think this is interesting because before we were recording, we were having a little conversation around AI and kind of its effects on education. And mm -hmm. one of the keywords that comes up there is trust. How can I trust what I'm reading? How can I trust who I'm talking to? What are your thoughts about just, I guess, as people, but as consumers and as business leaders, now that we're in a heightened environment of attention towards trust? Um, not that people are distrustful or mistrustful of each other, but they're just not certain how to trust. Um, and certainly that's going to become a, a core, you know, cornerstone of kind of the next years of, as a society of how we kind of recontextualize how we interact with each other. So how do, as business leaders, we navigate, and as people, I suppose, this environment of just trust and build that trust and have conversations like this? So it's, it, I hadn't planned on talking about this at all, actually. But as you as you talk about how do I trust in terms of how do I trust what I'm interacting with, which is which is very different from some of the things that we've been talking about in terms of of models and use cases and data and you know the the helpfulness or harmfulness of a particular solution or idea, but just trust the accuracy, trust you know that that this is coming from a good place. Um, it's 
it's one of the barriers, I think, to this notion of artificial generalized intelligence or AGI that has become uh, such a popular concept. Um, this, this idea that there will be one information source, like the, if there's one artificial generalized intelligence, that means that intelligence can be generalized. And we are not decided yet on what is information. We are so, um, I like to say we're bifurcated in our determining of fact, um, you know, because there is an almost even split in, in the, the construction of uh, and uses of even scientific fact um, based on political lines. Mm. And so um, it's, it, it, that is a very interesting uh, conversation to be, to be had in terms of, okay, uh, when will I ever be able to trust, you know, without, um, if, I, if I'm not in, in agreement with it already? <laughs> Probably not ever. So um, it, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. Certainly not a conversation many of us thought five or 10 years ago was going to be the key <laughs> yeah. question uh, going on. But uh, certainly this is where we find ourselves. And it's it's equal measures exciting and maybe a little bit frightening at times. And I guess that's what a lot of people feel about AI in general. Exactly, exactly. All right. Well, you know, if people are interested by this conversation, would love to connect with you or or hear more, can you let people know where they could maybe find you? Absolutely. So I'm easily reachable on, on LinkedIn. Um, and that's, that's probably the, the most open and accessible means for, for talking with me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. That's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much to Christine D for being our guest today. And thanks to each of you for listening. We hope to see you next time. As we close things out, we'd like to just thank our sponsor, this.labs. I would like me to remind you that they that you can approach your most pressing tech challenges with confidence, leveraging this.lab's tailored development strategies. Trusted by industry giants like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile, they specialize in bridging business and technology gaps, modernizing legacy systems, and ensuring sustainable application architecture. Discover how this.labs can empower your organization at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. Thanks, everyone. Hope to see you next time. <laughs>